0: Hey guys, welcome to the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast. We're in a little different setting than we usually are in our studio in LA. We're on South Beach right now, literally on the beach for the Super Bowl this week. Our herd set is right behind the camera here. Got everything going on. Got a little volleyball thing. And oh, my brother's here too. Jason's joining us. Thank you for coming on the show, Jason. Thank you for having me. I wanted to have you on the podcast. We've been doing the podcast for two years, but I wanted to do it in person. Because, you know, interviews are usually better in person anyway, but we have a lot to talk about. So um, plus, I feel like if I'm here in front of you, then I might be able to compel you to tell more stories because you're a very private person in general. For the
1: most part. Yeah. It yeah. depends on what what I'm on and how much you're paying me.
0: Right. Well, so I'm we're on Fox nothing. and you're paying me nothing. I'm paying so you nothing. You're going to get about that. Oh, no, you're not. Um, but thank you for for coming on with us. Um, this is your city originally, Miami. And Super Bowl week, it's a little different than some of the Super Bowl weeks um, in the past. You go to the Super Bowl pretty much every year, right?
1: Right. I I go for a few days. Not to the game, but I usually go for a few days to work or hang out a little bit and get out.
0: Have you been to an actual Super Bowl for the game?
1: Uh, I went to one um, when I was inducted to the Hall of Fame in 2017. The big comeback when the Patriots yeah, came Houston, back against the Falcons. Yeah. That was the only game I went to.
0: Okay, so we can talk about that week because that was actually the last time I was at the Super Bowl with Fox. Um, that was pretty much when I had first started with FS1. Mm-hmm. Me, Skip, and Shannon did Undisputed Live from Houston, which was kind of a similar setup to this. Our, our sets are a little bit bigger here. We have more space than in Houston. But that weekend was was pretty crazy. So uh, there's going to be a, uh, some guys who are finalists this weekend um, who are going to go through the same experience that you went through. So Jason was obviously up for Hall of Fame. He was the first ballot Hall of Famer, as we know. He got in the first time. But it's, it's kind of hard to explain what that experience is like. So they fly you out to, to the Super Bowl, right? They fly Correct. all the finalists out to the Super Bowl, and then they put you up in a hotel. So, the, so they do this on Saturday, right? You have to stay in your hotel room on Saturday. And if you get a call, you're not in. If you get a knock on the door from David Baker, the president of the Hall of Fame, you are in. So I was in the room with you, so I can tell how I was feeling. But, like, explain that experience of sitting there waiting. Because we all knew you were a Hall of Famer, but you don't really know if you're going to get in the first time.
1: Yeah, you never know until you get that knock on the door. And that's it's such an antiquated system, the way they do it. It I is, mean, but it works, though. It, so. it, it, it does. <laughs> and everyone, you know, some fans don't understand kind of the, the way it happens on the day before when, during the announcement. You know, you, you don't know what's coming. Um, you know from maybe 2 o'clock on you need to be in your hotel room, they tell you. Um, and like you said, if, you, if your cell phone rings, they'll call you and tell you, you know, you, unfortunately you didn't make it this year, but you're still, you know, you'll still be in the running for it. And if they knock on the door, then you made it. It's, it's just, it's as simple as that. It's kind of old-fashioned, but um, you know, getting that knock is everything. And you play all these mind games with yourself. And you know, at two o'clock, you know, you're, you're there, you're waiting, you're anxious, you're worried. You know, and then if you don't get a call or a knock by three, okay, they're just getting started. And then it's 4 o'clock, but you still know NFL Honors is coming up. So the, the show is live, and it has to go, you know, as live TV goes, it has to go off at whatever time, 6 o'clock. And then it's, you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock. So as you get later and later, you're like, man, my phone hasn't rang yet. Then you don't want to let that let that creep in your head. all. Well, they haven't called. It's 5 o'clock. It has to be a night. So you just kind of sit there and wait. And uh, as you know, I had my two sons in the room with me as well. Um, unfortunately, my daughter Zoe wasn't there.
0: Yeah, but Zoe called.
1: Zoe did Zoe call. Zoe called.
0: We were all like, "Oh."
1: Zoe, Zoe, my my daughter Zoe called my cell phone, which is like, and this is probably like four forty-five, five o'clock. Yeah, was, so like, it was like time. Right when that I started time. thinking, like, okay, maybe I'm gonna get the knock. <laughs> the phone rings, and I'm like, "Oh." But then you looking it's her, you know, I'm like, "Babe, I, I'll, I'll let you know. Don't call me again." It's almost reminiscent of draft day. You know, yep. Before, before you know, I didn't have a cell phone on draft day. You had to use the old landline, and you didn't want anybody calling. But yeah, it, it uh, it's. You know, to get that knock on the door obviously changes your life in so many ways. And after a 15-year career that that really changed the you know the, the trajectory of my of my whole life and career, you know that 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 call or that knock on the door 20 years later was pretty amazing.
0: So, do you like? I feel like sometimes when you're up for something, like whether it's a job or an award or something like even you know the Hall of Fame, you kind of try and convince yourself like, oh, I'm not going to get it, so you don't, you know. You don't, you don't get as disappointed, like you lower your expectations. Yeah, you
1: do it all the time, that whole reverse psychology thing. Right. You know, I did it as a player. I, I do it all the time. I probably still do it nowadays on certain things. Things that you're really hoping to, to have happen or you want to have happen or, you know, you think should happen or whatnot, you try to do the reverse psychology. Oh, I'm not going to make it. Like, what's the big deal? Don't don't stress it. You know, don't talk about it. It's not, You know, it's not going to happen. Then, oh, I'm so surprised.
0: So you mentioned uh, draft day. I actually was just telling the story um, on one of your best friends Seth's podcast, uh, the Fish Tank podcast, about your draft day. So we're from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, and the house that I grew up in. You grew up in a lot of different places. The house I grew up in, uh, not a not a very big place. <laughs> um, right. Not really the not the houses you're gonna see on some of these <laughs> these draft day videos that uh, or, or shows that are out now. Um, but we made it work, but it was a crazy day, and it was kind of similar to that. Like, you're waiting for this call. Jimmy Johnson gave your, or introduced you at the Hall of Fame, and he called. Now, I remember that experience as you, like, walking up and down uh, Negley Avenue in Turtle Creek um, on the phone with him. But what was it that he said to you when he called?
1: Boy, it was so long ago. I probably don't remember the exact words, but it was something to the effect of, hey, this is Jimmy Johnson from the Miami Dolphins. Um, would you like to be a Miami Dolphin?
0: Like, no, like it's I'm such good. a loaded
1: question. Like, does it, I want to know: Does anybody ever said, "No, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm gonna well, wait yeah, for the team." Yeah, I think it was.
0: Um, uh,
1: Who, Peyton Eli? Manning
0: uh, said no. Well, I know Eli got drafted was by Chicago or
1: whatever. <laughs> but
0: so people have said no. But like
1: for me, I wasn't going go anywhere. So heck yeah, I'm gonna be a Miami Dolphin. And actually, ironically and and luckily for me, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh as a big Steeler fan. Obviously, you can't live in Pittsburgh without being a Pittsburgh it's not allowed. fan. But because Dan Marino was from Pittsburgh, not far away from where we grew up, we were we would often get the Miami Dolphin games on the East Coast feed if the Steelers were playing at four o'clock or in the, in the afternoon window or whatever. So we saw a lot of Marino, and uh, so I was a I was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, but also a Miami Dolphin fan and particularly a Dan Marino fan. So, I mean, not to say I didn't want to go to the to the other 31 teams in the NFL, but to get the chance to come to Miami was like a dream come true.
0: Yeah, you wound up in the right place.
1: Yeah, for You're sure.
0: Dead. OK, so you got down to you told the story at um, Hall of Fame. Um, I knew this story, but you, for those of you who didn't hear the speech, you got down to Miami. Miami's a very hot place, if you don't know. And I can't deal with it. Part of the reason why I didn't want to be a reporter is because I, I got sent out. I was working for QAM here, and they sent me out to get sounds. And I think I was getting sound from Cam Wake. And I put my like recorder, you know, you got the reporter scrum, and I put my hand out, and um, like getting, you know, people are asking questions, we're getting the sound, and it's just like this giant sweat goop <laughs> just landed on my hand, and then the other reporter's sweat is on me, and I'm just holding my hand out like, I don't need this arm anymore. So it's just disgusting. And that's what training camp is. So you get there as a rookie, um, and training camp's hard for rookies anyway, as I imagine, but you wanted to like quit.
1: I'm not a quitter. I don't quit anything in life, but what yes. What you thought about quitting? Jimmy Johnson got me to the point where I literally was going to bed one night. I was like 4 or 5 days in the camp. And we used to stay at this old I swear it was a rat infested hotel up in Davie. And uh, I'm I'm it's time for bed and I was to the point where I'm sorry, there's a bee here and I'm and I'm panicking cuz You allergic I'm to bees? I'm not allergic to them, but I don't like them. I mean,
0: then relax. What's this? It's I got bit gonna... not long
1: ago and it didn't go away for like 2 weeks. I mean,
0: it's going to mind some business. Mind uh, security. It's been if you if you act scared they can smell fear oh
1: God what are they dogs?
0: no, but they're just, just letting me see he's gone anyway, Bye. where
1: was I um oh, so four or five days in the training camp, and I literally training camp was so hard it was true two a days we were full pads every practice and they don't
0: b- practice like that anymore right no
1: no one does it' in training camp it's in it's inhumane nobody does it anymore <laughs> no, they don't do it in training camp are you kidding me they they wear hats one practice a day you know they have some sale practices but totally different league um so I'm laying in my in my hotel and I'm like, I seriously think if I go to sleep right now, I'm going to die in my sleep. Like, that's how bad I felt physically. Like, I'm not going to wake up. So I was almost afraid to go to sleep. And I'm like, I have practice at 6 o'clock in the morning, so I've got to get some rest. And I'm like, I just, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can physically wake up tomorrow and make it to practice. So I called mom and I was like, I right, listen, this NFL thing has been the dream of mine. I'm so blessed, you know, fortunate to be in training camp as a rookie. I got drafted. All these things are coming together. But... Like I, 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 I think I got to come home. I can't do this. Like this is not. This might not be for me. And she was like, "Oh, it's you know whatever you want. It's if you want to you want to quit. You can come on home and either join the military or get a job. But you ain't staying here." And I was like, "So, thank God I went to bed and was able to wake up the next morning and, and and you know answer the bell." But that's I'm telling you, those camps, the way Jimmy Johnson was, from giving me a chance to grinding us to a nub, to Teaching us discipline and the work ethic and all those things that we have it, we had it in us. A lot of us guys in, in Miami at the time, but for him to demand it out of us on a daily basis and kind of mold you that way, made us nasty, feisty, competitive. And you know, I got through that first training camp and I, and I really came to love it. And, and as I got older in the league, and practices started to change, practices kind of became boring later on in my career because they were they weren't as competitive. We didn't have. A full speed competitive two minute drill. We didn't have middle drill, which was an inside run period that was full speed to the ground. You start to miss those things. And you know, it was me, Sam Madison, Pat Sertan, Zach Thomas, Brock Marion, Timbo, Trace Armstrong. I mean, we, the list, Adam Wally and Goulet, the list goes on of guys that we, you should have seen our practices. They were vicious, they were violent, they were nasty, they were competitive, and there is nothing in this world better than competing. And we got to do it every day. So once I learned that, listen, you're not going to die, your body will, repl- will respond, the ice tubs do work, I freaking loved it. And then as it started to change a little bit. Not that I didn't love my job later on, but practices just weren't the same.
0: What's uh, So you mentioned a couple names there that I've heard a, a couple stories about. Um, another reason why I never wanted to be a reporter is because locker rooms are disgusting places. And I don't know if they've improved since you were in the league, but I remember – um, we were walking through the Dolphins facility the last day, your your last day, or last week, I guess, um, before you retired. And we walk into the, the um, locker room, and it's sh- it's clean. Like, it's perfectly clean. And I'm like, what is that smell? Like, it's just here. It's just, ugh. Um And I'm being such a girly girl right now, but it's really gross. Um, So who's, like, I don't want you to out anybody, so I can't ask you who's, like, the, your grossest teammate. But... What's like the grossest thing you've seen a guy like do in a locker room? <laughs> so you can't put names anything, obviously. If it's that For, bad. First of
1: all, that 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 smell you smell—that's that's aroma. It's not odor. That's a, that's yeah. the aroma of the su- aroma. that's that's the aroma of success and yeah. com- com- competitiveness and okay. and grit. It's like stank. Is what it is. It's a is. it's a man's world in there. Ugh. Um, you know, listen, you've been around football long enough. You know. The yeah, roster, you guys are smelly. The roster of football is a is a has a plethora of ugliness to begin with. So, <laughs> you know, you get guys that aren't the easiest on the eyes, and it's in a, an all male environment, and cleanliness sometimes goes out the window for some guys. What's the nastiest thing? I, I don't know. I mean, there's been some, you know, I almost said his name. Um, <laughs> let's protect the uh, let's protect the innocent. Well, I'm not sure he's innocent, but there's a guy that uh, I used to play with. Who's now a, a coach actually in the NFL? Okay. Um, don't ask what team, what position, none Very of that. Fun. He he used to take great pride in in his um, bowel movements in his number twos. Ew. So we had like five stalls, five or six stalls, and you know they had the regular bath bath or regular stalls, and then they had one we called the suite. You know, it's the, it's the handic- it's the handicap stall. You have more room. You have your own sink. It's like you know guys were going there and like take forever, take camp out. He used to always do it, but he. Would leave some, like some leg- legendary gifts in there, and I think he, would
0: le- he wouldn't flush.
1: I don't think he knew that the toll was flush, and he just he always left them. And if they were really really good, he would he would get one of his trading cards and he would sign it. And he would st- he would stick it in it like he was he was proud of it. That's the bad so part is good. someone had to so come behind him it and clean and it like, up.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: And it's not as easy as just cleaning it up and flush a toll. Like you got to take the. What car do you get like, like a shovel? Like, it's it just. Guys are bad.
0: That's filthy. You know, I've been
1: in the hot tub before. With you know, in pre-practice, you know, in the, in the hot tub, and we had a hot tub that probably held, I don't know, 15 people. And uh, you know, and it used to be on a timer. So you put the timer on, and you know, after 15 minutes, the timer expires. And some of these, someone got in, and uh, it's happened more than once. And so someone got in, and they happen to sit down. And as guys know, when you, when guys. First, get in the water. It's you know warm water. It makes you want to have to you know you have to go to the bathroom, and, and there's a sign you know shower first, use the restroom, all these things. Well, the timer happened to expire right as the guy got down in the tub, so the bubbles went away. It's just a calm sheet of glass like water, and he started going the bath. <laughs> he started going to the bathroom
0: with like 15. So guys someone in the called tub? him out on it.
1: He's like, no, no, I'm not. And you it like he obviously didn't drink enough water. It was like straight yellow. And it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Ew. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I mean,
0: so do, it, do you have, like, locker room punishments for stuff like that?
1: I mean, you just get out, you know. And you guys will get yelled at or whatever, cussed out about it. But the only thing that bothered me was, you know, you've got 65 guys at the practice getting undressed. And it's, as you said, in Miami, everything's soaking wet and right. nasty and sweaty and dirty. And, you know, we practice on grass. Everything's a mess. And six feet away from you, five feet away from you is a big bin. Joey Chimino and Charlie and, and Tony Egwes when he was the – the um, equipment manager, you know, they put these big bins out there, and you have a net bag to put all your stuff in. Your jock, your shirt, everything. Just put it all in the bin, or put it all in the bag. Put the little tie around the bag, and throw the bag in the bin. And one thing that really bothered me is when guys used to like, they would throw their bag at the bin, and if they missed, they would leave it lay there on the ground, like somebody else had to come by and pick them up. That's the only time people really kind of got feisty about it in the locker room, and
0: yeah, like take care of the people. Yeah, you kind you know, of, you
1: know, you you cuss a grown man out about that. Like you, do, that's not someone else's job to pick up your nasty stuff off the ground and wash it. Like, have some professionalism and attention to detail and put your own nasty stuff. It's bad enough they have to wash it. Right. Put your stuff in the bin. Don't cut your tape off and leave it on the ground. So sometimes there was was a little friction over those things, but it it didn't happen often.
0: So I always say your best time uh, in the NFL or your best season in the NFL was with the Jets, but that's just because you went to the AFC Championship game that year. But – Again, I was talking about this the other day when you left Miami for New York. I was very controversial here in South Florida because you weren't really well liked by Jets fans to begin with, because no. you talked a lot of s**t, and um, rightfully so. And J- Miami fans do not like the Jets, but it is what it is. And you wound up in New York. What was different about? Because um, you spent a year in Washington too, but that was kind of like a weird year. That
1: no, was not good, yeah.
0: Altogether. So we'll just pretend that didn't happen. But New York was a successful situation so what what was it in New York that was different than your time in Miami? Because obviously you guys went to the playoffs a lot when you were in Miami early on in your career So what was it the locker room was it just talent? What was it?
1: Um, I mean everything was different really. I mean um, The biggest reason we had success I think in Miami or in in New York that year is we had the number one number two defense in the league which we had often here in, in Miami. We had the number one rushing team in the league. Uh, Mark Sanchez was our quarterback and really played within himself. May, made some plays when he had to, but he didn't have to throw the ball 30, 40 times a game. So we ran the ball, we played really good defense. Um, we were nasty and got there guys defensively, but it, things just kind of fell into place. You know, with, but that year in 2000, so 2010, you know, we made the playoffs. We had to go to Indianapolis and play Peyton Manning on the road. Then we had to go to Foxborough and play Tom Brady. And then we had to go to the AFC Championship game on the road again and play Ben Roethlisberger. So the three top quarterbacks in the AFC we had to face, um, came up a little short against Pittsburgh for a myriad of reasons and some play calling and whatever else, some turnovers. But um, no, nah, it just kind of came together that year. And the biggest thing we did is ran the football, much like some of the teams we see have success even to today. You know, Tennessee ran the football, played good defense. uh, San Francisco run the football, play good defense. So it was that was our recipe for it, and it it worked out very well that year.
0: Okay, so you mentioned San Francisco running the ball. Um, I picked the Chiefs to make it to the Super Bowl and win before the season started. I also picked the Cowboys on the NFC side, but we're not going to talk about that because that's old stuff. But I like San Francisco because they're physical, but I got to go with Kansas City because of just honestly because of Patrick Mahomes. But do you like San Francisco more? Because they are way – Even Patrick Mahomes is, to me, when I think of what the running game is in, in Kansas City, though they have a solid running game, it's really Patrick Mahomes' is, mm. you know, scrambling ability, ability to make plays with his legs. But San Francisco is a running game. I mean, I think Garoppolo's thrown for like 770 70 yards <laughs> the whole postseason. So do you like San Francisco more then in this game?
1: Um, not that I like them more. I, I, you know, I'm i not going to make a pick right this second, but you know we'll probably get, to that, we'll get to that. What do you mean? Nobody's to make we'll a pick. We'll get to that yet. point before we get off it. Okay, Before fine. we get off, I'm sure. But – just two different really, – really two different teams. But I love what San Francisco can do, playing defense the way they do, running the football, controlling the time of possession. I think it's, you have to do that. You have to limit Kansas City's possessions. If you can – if they can hold them to eight possessions in the game, you know, or perhaps they get to seven possessions, which is probably hard to do, you have a better chance to win. If they can get the ball and score and get nine, ten possessions, I, I, don't, I don't know if San Fran has the firepower to keep up. San, excuse me, San Fran's very talented. I mean – you know, you know, from their, from their their quarterback is a is a good player that can make plays. They have an outstanding tight end in, in Kiddo. I mean, they, they they can do a lot defensively. Their ability to get after you with four guys is key. The fact that they don't have to try to generate pressure with, by bringing blitzes or bringing backers or safeties or you know, when you're in the nickel and dime package, bringing the DB off the edge, they they have a unique ability to rush four guys. Kind of spearheaded by Nick Bosa, you know, the, the, the guy getting all the, all the. All the storylines right now, but they've got a really good defensive front. I mean, from Eric Armstead and and, and Buckner. I mean, they've got some dudes that can get after it. And mind you, you know, D4s on the bench coming off the bench for them. I mean, they're 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 loaded on that D line, and it gives them the ability to drop seven guys in the coverage, and that's that can be a big factor for them. But on the flip side, you look at Kansas City. I mean, they have so many weapons offensively. Right. I think they're very really evenly matched teams, and and I I think this game is going to come down to The the special teams, the return game, whether whether it's Hill or Hardman, or you know, on on the flip side for for Kansas City, there's going to be a big play made on special teams, whether it be a punt return, kickoff return, a block punt, something. That's that's kind of what separates teams when they're evenly matched. Yeah,
0: I can see that because I I I think they're very evenly matched. Also, you know, um, Nick Bosa said that you were uh, his favorite player growing up. He was you were the his um, inspiration. Growing up.
1: I did, I did not know that. I appreciate it. I mean, he's.
0: I played it on the show. I, I played it on Herdline because I thought you were coming on right afterwards. So, it would have been like a good transition piece. But then we had Steve Smith instead. But, yeah. And then I joked and said that you're old because a rookie that's playing in the Super Bowl <laughs> this year was like. Was, was You were the reason why he's see playing how, football. See how he does me. I see mean, I it's, it's not well, accurate. I mean, he grew
1: up down here in yeah. St. Thomas Aquinas product, obviously up at right. Fort Lauderdale. Um, school my sons go to. My daughter will be there next year. And I coach at. Raider. Shameless plug for St. Thomas. But, um, no, nah, I mean, Nick Bosa is – look at that whole family. I mean, yeah. there's success all over that family. But, you know, the two Bolsa brothers and obviously Nick will be Much playing. Much like the next
0: Taylor
1: family. Like I said, Nick will be playing <laughs> on Sunday. Um, but, no, nah, to have – and listen, I'm old. I accept it. I can't run from here to the to the exit. if The fire broke out. But I, I could accept that. But the fact that a young kid that's in the league looked up to me when he was growing up and – Yeah, uh, that was pretty cool. And and, and kind of modeled – I don't know if he modeled his game after me because I think he's so much further along than I was, but that's pretty cool. I
0: mean, he just – I mean, he plays in a different way than you. Like you were telling Colin when you came in the league, you were like, you know, a shrimp.
1: Not a shrimp, but you were – I retired four pounds heavier than I came in at. But
0: you don't – I mean, come on. Like your body was different when you retired than when you came in the league. You said you thought you were going to die. Die. That, that you was, thought you were gonna die in that was camp. because of,
1: that was because of the the regimen of practice. It wasn't because my butt, bro. You're supposed to be my on my team here. You're I to be am on your team.
0: Out. I'm saying. I, well, look, listen.
1: I was a, you're, ba- you're a I hall was of famer. a bad. I
0: think <laughs> I think everyone knows you had a good career at this point.
1: Look at me getting all defensive and yeah, stuff. Yeah,
0: I mean, listen. That's what happens when you're a has been, folks? Home team always. No, I'm just joking with you. I thought it was really nice that he said no, that. That's awesome. It really is. Um, I, I didn't.
1: I never knew that. I didn't. I hear think that.
0: it's cool. And it actually. Um, you know obviously this is kind of a, a strange uh energy or not i shouldn't say strange it was very heavy energy here yesterday obviously with with the kobe news and the the horrible crash and there's a lot of conversation about you know how kobe inspired so many players so i thought it was really nice that he said that you know you inspired him but uh so again i told colin earlier junior say I was my favorite player other than you of course um, growing up, I loved Junior Seau. I had like posters on the wall, and he was my favorite. Um, who was a guy when you were playing before you made it to the NFL? Obviously, that was somebody that you like looked up to like that, like in a Kobe fashion or Junior Seau f- way.
1: Well, there were a couple guys in football that I looked up to that played for the Steelers. So, um, obviously, Kevin Green was in Pittsburgh at the time, and you know he was he was a bad man, and uh, Greg Lloyd as well. Yeah, with his big face mask, big plastic face mask, and was and was so scary. So Watching guys like that, I loved the way they played. But much like Kobe, there was a guy that, that was from a different sport that transcended all all lines and boundaries and borders, and that was Michael Jordan. And, uh, you know, he was the greatest to ever do on the basketball court, ultra-competitive, a winner in everything he did. Um, just his style, his grace, his swag, uh, the way he dressed, the way he walked, everything about Michael Jordan I wanted to be. And, and mostly the competitive part of it, the way he was so – Tenacious and aggressive, and and really lethal in the way he approached the game. And so he was a guy I looked up to a lot. That was not in my sport, but in so many ways, just like Kobe, he transcended all those things and, and, and affected people all over the all over the world. And and Kobe did that too, obviously. And you know, there's a lot of there's a generation of kids now that didn't get a chance to see Mike play live, right? Or didn't get the chance to see Mike play on TV, and and but have seen Kobe. And it's so reminiscent of what mj was and you know kobe's that and lebron is now carrying that torch on from, from kobe's years and i mean obviously a very very difficult situation and my heart goes out to vanessa and and their her family and and all the other families affected as well i mean nine people lost their lives and it's it's uh it's really unspeakable yeah
0: it was it was not the i mean you show up in miami obviously for super bowl week and that that news it was a very difficult day for everybody yesterday but i did think it was you know it's it's um, you mentioned Michael Jordan. I was telling a story about Michael Jordan earlier on the show with Colin, um, but yeah, he, Michael Jordan was my, is my was for me the same. Like I always looked up to Michael Jordan beyond anything else. Like I'm a Michael Jordan mm-hmm. zealot. So I everything about Michael Jordan to me is like that's what you're supposed to be um, whenever you do anything. So you actually were with Jordan Brand for a while in your in your career. So mm-hmm. what was it like the first time? That you met,
1: Michael. Well, obviously, when I first met him, I was in awe, and uh, you know. Because I, I
0: remember I, the first time I met Michael. We'll tell that story after.
1: I was starstruck and in awe, and it was after a a game down here in Miami against the Heat. Um, I went back to the locker room and, and had a chance to meet him, and you know he was about to do his press and all that, and I, you know I was trying to stay out of the way against the wall, and he was like, "JT, come here."
0: So and he was, knew you. I was
1: like, "Oh, damn!" Michael Jordan knew my name. So That's yeah, so so cool. I, so I uh, obviously was was fangirling and I was like oh my god Michael Jordan but then you know we developed a friendship and a relationship and as you said was a brand Jordan guy for my last I don't even know my last 10 years in the league you um
0: so I don't know if you remember this but you we were like getting sandwiches or something and you're like because he knows what a big Jordan fan I am so he was like you want to you hear something cool And like, pulled up a voicemail that a voicemail. Like, imagine Michael Jordan has time to call you and then he has time to leave you a a voicemail. I mean, this was back in voicemail days when people actually left messages. (laughs) Whereas now, if you leave a message, it's like, oh my God, this better be important. And he left like a minute long message for you.
1: You remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. And I'm sure I still have it somewhere uh, on my phone. You better still have that. Email that to yourself. Yeah, and and it it meant the world. And, And outside of, you know, outside of having a chance to meet him and, and fulfill my dream of meeting my hero. You know, it, you know, we developed a relationship and a friendship over the years and, and having a chance to hang out with him and play golf or whatnot and just watching everything he does. It just, I just always wanted to emulate everything Mike did um, and, you know, chase championships and chase greatness like he did. It's it's uh, it's uh always good to have – whoever it is, it doesn't have to be in sports, whether it's in business or, or fashion, whatever it is that you do, find somebody that you want to chase. Always have – you know, you don't always want to be the hunted. You know, be always be a hunter and chasing something else. And if you achieve that, and, and you get to the same level as that person, find somebody else and start chasing that. So, I've, I have someone to chase all my life because I'll never be Mike. Um, but it's uh, it's a great inspiration.
0: Um, well, did that, so did I tell? Ta- we talk about that when I met Mike mm-hmm. on this? Okay, so we talked about it on the show earlier before you came on. But um, so obviously he has this relationship with Michael, which I know about. And it's my 21st birthday, and he invites me down, because he's a good brother, to Michael Jordan's golf tournament, which is which was in the Bahamas. I don't think he still does, does he still do it?
1: It's in Vegas though. I was oh, in no, Vegas. he doesn't even do it anymore, but they went to Vegas, Vegas after Vegas. that, yeah.
0: So it was in the Bahamas at the time, um, at Atlantis. And so I go down, and I'm like, I need to meet Michael. Like, it's a must, it must happen. I'm not gonna be your sister anymore if you don't <laughs> introduce me to Michael Jordan. So we're in like this restaurant, and, my, and Michael walks in uh, with his wife, and I'm like, all right, let's go. Like, it's time to go. It's time to meet Michael. And I go over and he introduces me. And of course, I don't, I don't even remember what I said. It was probably something stupid, because I'm, again, like, fangirling. Like, oh my God, it's Michael Jordan and all And he tells Michael, it's my 21st birthday. So he's so cool. He's like, oh, congrats, like, happy birthday. That's awesome. Let's go do a tequila shot. I'm like, hell yeah, let's go do a tequila shot right now. I need that story. Who doesn't want to take a tequila shot with Michael Jordan? So I'm like, yeah, let's go, for sure, right now, before you even change your mind. And you just said no. (laughs) So I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like, throw a fit? I mean, I wanted to throw a fit, obviously, but I'm like, what do you mean no? He's like, oh, it's just a tequila shot. Like, no, no, we're going to go sit down. No, we're not going to go sit down. We're going to go take a tequila shot. I didn't want to bother the man. Oh, we're not bothering him. He offered.
1: No, truthfully, I was just being, I was jealous that you were getting more attention from him than me, so I was like, no, he's my friend, and you just get to meet him, and let's go sit down.
0: I say that about Rob all the time. Rob is my friend. Um, yeah, that's 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 bullshit that you did that.
1: You ended up taking a shot, did you not? No, I didn't. You never, I did one with him that, that night. I think you went to the bathroom, and I ran over to no, took No, so shot. then, like,
0: the whole weekend, I I mean, it's Michael Jordan. Like, when am I ever going to – I've never seen Michael Jordan again since. So, like, everywhere we go, he's there. Like, he's, like, playing poker, and I'm just staring, like, this, like, Michael Jordan <laughs> – and he caught me by one point, like I'm standing we are playing blackjack and I'm just like staring. And Jay's like, Yo, stop staring <laughs> But Michael had already caught me. He's like, Hi, I was so awkward. It's um, all awesome. he
1: probably caught me before too when I first when I first met him. And I mean, he it's Michael, like, but he's listen, he has his own tequila out now. He yeah, you he love and it. some other partners, the Cinco Ordo. So we'll do a shot of Mike's tequila when we get de- well, when we get to the house. When we get
0: to the house. But I He mean, won't and, be
1: there, but you could at least oh, have well. some tequila.
0: You need to fix that. You need to remedy that situation. Mike, you heard her. Um, Yes, Michael Jordan watches our podcast. TurboTax is here to help this tax season by making tax filing easy for you. They've made it their mission to give you all the tools and advice you need to get your taxes done with confidence, like making uploading your W-2 as easy as taking a picture. Just use your phone or your tablet to simply snap a picture of your W-2, and then you just watch your information appear in the right place on your tax return. You can make sure you're filing your taxes correctly, while at the same time making sure you're getting the best possible refunds. TurboTax, all people are tax people. I am a pain in the ass for you. Yep. Um, Yep, I have been for my entire life. Yep. Um, yep. That's just kind of what I do. Yep. Uh, not yep. to ask, like, the worst story, but – or take it to a dark place. Because I know that you've been worried about <laughs> me before. But um, what's, like – what's the what's the most annoying thing that I've ever done to you? If you can choose, because there's so many.
1: I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's – I'm not thinking because there's so many. I'm just trying to think of what... I mean, it's not that, you're, that you are annoyed me. Um, He's being know, so nice right now. Y- you made some questionable decisions at That's times. Fine. You know, and those are probably the annoying times. Like, you know, I'm not sure if you guys know, but she went to like four colleges and... I did not go to
0: four colleges. You were like four colleges in a matter I went of nine to months.
1: three. Okay, you went to three in the matter of nine months. <laughs> like, she went from... You were a Cal PA first, Right.
0: A cow? Indiana University of Pennsylvania.
1: Same thing. Indiana University of Noah Pennsylvania. Noah was a cow. I can't even spell all those words in that school. And then you went to, like, Daytona Beach. Yeah, I got my associates there. Like, I went there for spring break, and I left four <laughs> days later. You went there, and you ended up staying at, like, a community college in Daytona I know, Beach. I but I don't
0: have, you know, student loans to pay off now. And I
1: told that. her, too. I was like, Joy, you came from Pittsburgh to Daytona Beach. You know how many community colleges are in between those? Like, yeah. you pick a community college in Daytona Beach, whatever. And then you decide, okay, I'm going to get back on track and get my head on my keister, and I'm going to go to a school. I'm going to come to Miami and go to school. Okay, FIU, FAU, Miami. I don't, where are you going? Barry University.
0: I loved Barry. Barry the, has not The most
1: expensive school well, in, in yeah, Florida. Well, yeah, it is the most expensive. school. But it's you decided to pick yeah. that one. But, but thank I, God you finally settled down, and you, and you did graduate, right?
0: Uh, well, so that's a funny story. So, yes, I did graduate from, from Barry. Scare me for um, a second. Which – He's right about all of that, except in the expensive part. But because I had gone and gotten my associates, I didn't have as much... And it was all paid off. So I didn't have as much debt as I normally would if I'd gone to Barry for four years. So smart, actually. But graduation day, while while he's ranting about me graduating, we were late to graduation because of you. Jason is a notoriously late person. Notoriously late. And we were... This is facts. We... He lived in Weston at the time. We had to go down to Miami for graduation. We were late. I was the last person in. And I remember this because my, the head of like the department um, was not a big fan of mine for many reasons. And
1: <laughs> I can only imagine. Fair, but for many reasons. Yeah. And
0: I'm walking in, and he's just standing there like, can you just get out of my life? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry. It's not my fault I'm late. But,
1: but they do it alphabetically, right?
0: Um, I don't know how they did it. Well, I don't know. Anyway, my, the point is my I did My thought process was probably that it was honors, alphabetical,
1: so uh, we could be a little bit late.
0: Yeah. Well, we made it. It's all, exactly. it's all good. And you are, you are a great big brother. And now you are coaching at St. Thomas Aquinas, Correct. where Zoe's going to go and where Isaiah and Mason go. Um, and you actually always said that you didn't want to coach. So, that, like, obviously, it's not surprising that you're coaching Isaiah and Mason. Like, they're your children. Of course, if you, you're going to coach them. But what is it that you like about coaching that you were hesitant about in the beginning?
1: Um, You know, it's different coaching every level. So high school, college, and, and pros are obviously much different. And, right. and, and the type of athlete you have, the mentality of those athletes, um, the talent level outside of it, but just the the ability to touch and affect a life and on and off the field, you know, we're, we're a pain in the ass in the pros. You know, a lot of pros are just difficult to work with or whatever. I, and I didn't want to do 18-hour days and, and banging your head against a wall trying to get a kid to – to want to be good want to be great and then you know he leaves you and he's on south beach until five in the morning just so there were things that i was apprehensive about at the beginning and then you know i started coaching youth ball initially with with, uh isaiah mason and then had a chance to to go over to st thomas aquinas and start coaching there and i fell in love with it i mean we've got really good players which makes coaching much easier you have really good players i was just talking to to uh kirby smart about this yesterday um and then you get a chance to, to affect and change a kid's life, in, in a positive way. And you try to do that in a positive way. Not everyone's going to be receptive to it. Not everyone's going to grasp everything you say. But kids are such sponges, and you you show them a technique and their ability to go out and change those, you know, change the way they're playing or, or do it the right way. Then they see the success and they start to light up. Or they ask you for help off the field. Or they, they need help with classwork. I'm not the best with that, but I could point you in the right direction with doing your homework or whatnot. And it's just. You know, I had been that kid before that needed some guys, needed some help, needed someone to take me under their wing a little bit and point me in the right direction. And I had people that helped do that in a in a in a, in a way. Um, but these kids I get to work with now, I mean, and then you start to see them graduate and then they go on to. You know, we got a kid going to Florida this year, and got a, we we have a kid to play for us that's starting at Alabama, and Oklahoma, Michigan. So you start to see them like go have success, and you and you live again through them. And these are kids that aren't even mine. Um, you know, my son's a junior. He'll be a senior. I have a, a rising junior as well, and start to see them progress and learn. And it's just there's something about being on that grass. Now all the politics behind it and stuff, and uh, you know, dealing with administration and all that, whatever. I'm not the head coach, so it's easy for me. I get to go on the grass, coach football, and then leave the field to put your arm around a kid and, and help him out when he needs it. So it's just it's it's contagious. It's in my blood. It's in my blood. I'm a football guy at his core, and. I love every minute of it.
0: Well, I always thought you would be a good coach because you are very, very patient, and I've done a great job of preparing I, you for not, anything I'm you could ever patient. face. I'm um, not. I'm not. No, sure you I'm are patient. patient. <laughs> you are patient. No, you're not patient. To a point. You're patient to a point, but I think that you, um, because of where, you know, we, where we camp, where we come from, mm-hmm. um, and what you've experienced in your life, um, you have a way of being able to relate to people. And I mean, you had a 15-year uh, Hall of Fame career, so you've dealt with every different kind of personality you could ever deal with and you know you do you have two sons that age so it's not like you don't know what these other kids are going through so I'm, I'm actually very glad that you're doing it um and I and you guys got to win the national championship this year I was at the state championship which was unbelievable um but to win a national championship on the field with both of your sons has got to be like the cool I mean what was cooler
1: than that uh, nothing I mean it's it is it's
0: and Isaiah had an interception
1: yeah he did he um you can't really put into words those moments, and and it's cool. I have friends from around the country, and even parents that that are friends of mine at the school, that send you texts like, you know, I know, uh, coach, I know you were in the middle of the game, and you go to the next series, but enjoy that, like that that moment of Isaiah making an interception in, a, in the national championship game, and you know, you give him a quick hug, and then it's right back to you know figuring out what you're doing, looking at the, looking at the play, So enjoy those small moments. And I didn't get to enjoy all those moments when I was playing because I was so f- hyper focused on. What was next, and chasing that championship, to where I think now I've got a little older and wiser, start to enjoy the journey more. And this journey with my sons has been fantastic. I, I'm I'm so I'm so appreciative that they allow me to take this with them. You know, because some kids could be resistive to it a little bit, not want their their dad around or or hovering or coaching. Yeah, or how are they, they with you? Do
0: they listen to you.
1: They listen. Yeah, everyone listens. You know, you, you yell loud enough and and uh, flex every once in a while, they start to listen. But no, we got good kids that are coachable, you know, but they, you know, they understand that the way I am is the way I'm going to coach, is the way I was taught, is the way I'm going to coach, and really in a lot of ways regurgitate some of the things you learn from a Jimmy Johnson, from you know, Nick Saban, you know, two guys that I respect the hell out of and love to death, um, Rex Ryan. Some of these guys I got to play for, and the list goes on of coaches, you know, Jim Bates and all these guys I've been around, Dom Capers and George Edwards, I mean, guys that are still coaching in this league. There's a certain way to do things and i'm a stickler for details we're going to outwork everybody and that's you know it's one thing we always talk about outwork yesterday and alabama says it's it's an alabama slogan that i stole from from coach saban is you know you outworked outwork yesterday just constantly grinding and grinding and grinding we're gonna have a lot of fun we're gonna work really hard we're gonna win a lot of games and then they get a chance to look back and say this this was the the fruits of my of my labor this is why coach taylor was so Adamant about and being a pain in the butt about details about just little things those little things end up costing you And Nick Saban used to always say the devil's in the details When he first said that I was like what the heck is he talking about devils in the details? And now I see and learn I mean I learned that when I was playing for him and now I'm just a stickler for it and the biggest thing I tell all these kids is Everybody wants to be great just like the old saying everybody wants to go to heaven but nobody wants to die Everybody wants to be great but are you willing to do what it takes to be great? And you have to fall in love with the process of being great because it's not easy. It's not. There's, there's, there'll be more bad days than there are good days, and the, but those bad days make those good days so much better.
0: No, and that's something you definitely. Uh, you taught me. Working with uh, Skip has taught me that. Colin has taught me that. It was like Colin said today that I'm. I'm very disciplined, and you kind of uh, <laughs> giggled a little bit. But like you know, I'm grown now, Jason. I'm 33 years old. I'm old lady. Um, but that, I mean, that's really like what it is to me. Like a process is, is everything. Like mm-hmm. if you don't, if you don't do, I mean, it's just like getting in shape. Like if you don't work out harder than you worked out yesterday, every single day, you're not going to get in shape. Like right. we all know that, but it's just like, are do you want to do that? Like, no, clearly I don't. But you know, that's like, it is what it is. Like I know what I have to do to do that. And when it comes to work or anything that you want to be great at I means it's, it's Mamba mentality, right? Like you have to, you have to want to be great. That's the difference between like greats and the greatest like I was you see, you see the Beyonce documentary um, homecoming no Monica didn't make you watch that no um, but well I mean it's just watching that documentary shows like she spent a year preparing for that Coachella performance like yeah of course she did cuz she's Beyonce there's only one Beyonce there's only ever gonna be one Beyonce It's because she's willing to do stuff like that and mm-hmm. everybody else isn't willing to do that We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness, Calm. The number one app for sleep and meditation has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He says, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and my mind. And if you head to Calm.com slash sports 40, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium membership. So with Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain or leaves. Those are nice. And so much more, like sleep stories and meditations. So for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash sports 40. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash sports 40. That's calm.com slash sports 40.
1: LeBron James.
0: LeBron James. So you mentioned Saban a couple times. He's not really um, beloved in South Florida, but he is. Okay, would you roll your eyes? I'm going to ask you um, because you played for him and you love Nick Saban. Mm -hmm. Um, What is it about Nick that you love and why do you think he wasn't, um, other than, you know, like the winning part, which obviously is, you know, it is what it is. If we had Drew Brees, you know, maybe we would have gone a little differently. Mm -hmm. But what is it about Nick Saban that you love?
1: Um, I, I don't – he's not beloved down here, like you said. I don't care. Like, I I love him.
0: Well, he, I will say – say, He could be like, mean,
1: but he's my mean. You and I you know, are kind of the
0: same. Like, if everybody hates somebody, to, to a degree, like, God, oh, they're a terrible person. But, you know, if they're nice to us. Like.
1: Hey, listen, <laughs> it, it, wor- it worked out for me, so the hell with y'all. <laughs> no. I don't know what happened with <laughs> you guys. Oh,
0: like, Sorry, guys.
1: But No, he – um, yeah, everyone's on him about – maybe the way he treated people here, he would – you know, if he had a chance to go back – he's talking about it before. If he had a yeah. chance to go back and change some things, the way he handled his exit, whatever he might – but everyone could do that, you know. Retrospectively, look back and say, "Okay, maybe I want to do this different." And right. it, and we all do that in every day in our everyday lives. But you know, he was great for me. Nick Saban t- taught me so much more about defense than I knew, changed my position a little bit, and had me standing up, moving around, dropping, understanding protections, understanding coverages. He 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 took my football IQ from where it was at to and in, in, in grew it exponentially. And, and I owe a lot of that to. to you know, to Nick Saban, to Kirby Smart, who was here at the time. Will Muschamp, another head coach. Uh, um, Dom Capers was our D coordinator. I mean, there was Nick had a great thing going. Now, there was a chance for Drew Brees to come here a second time because we could have drafted him originally. Um, for whatever reason, the doctor they said his shoulder wouldn't be the same. So, you know, we went we went a different direction as as a franchise with a quarterback and. Drew Brees is still Drew Brees is still playing and breaking records or whatnot, and, and you know you look back sometimes and we're like, man, if Drew would have came here with the the level of defense we were playing, right? Like, what would have happened? How how different would the landscape of Miami be, you know, sports-wise? How different would my career have been, you know, in all of Your our career careers? Turned okay. I mean, it turned out okay. It turned out it turned out great, but you know, would there be a championship there? Right. Whatever, I mean, we could all sit there and play those games, but it didn't work out. Nick decided to. Go to Alabama. He and, did give uh, us the
0: bubble, though, didn't
1: he? It is a Nick Saban Memorial the Bubble, Nick yeah. Nick Saban
0: Memorial Bubble. If you don't know what that is, um, as Jason mentioned on the show. It saved us. Oh, my God, it saved us. There God, was no uh, – they used to train outdoors. There was no indoor facility for the Dolphins. And South Florida – there's no way to describe South Florida Heat if you've never been in it and tried to do – like, try to lift a pencil – it's it's suffocating, yeah. so to have to do go through training camp is I, I can't even imagine it because I as a broadcaster sitting under a nice um, awning with a fan on me was dying. So I can't even imagine what playing in it is. And Nick Saban did build this uh, training bubble, which I think J Lo is using to prepare for
1: is the she? Super Bowl. Yeah, that was one of the first things he did when he came to Miami. Is you know our owner, the late great Wayne Haasenga, you know may he rest in peace. Just an amazing owner and you know, as a person, as an owner, everything and. One of those guys that said, listen, what do, you, what do you need? What do you need for this football team? And to his credit, he gave Nick Saban a blank check to build a bubble. But Nick understood we needed that, and thank God it made life so much easier. Sometimes we didn't really use it a whole lot, but when it rained, we had a chance to get out of the rain, and then on our Saturday walkthroughs, and, you know, it was – you know, Nick's one of those guys. Like, you, you can't – people want to hate on Alabama now because they win. You know, everyone wants to see that dynasty fall. They want the Patriots to fall. Um, you know, I love Bill Belichick. I love Tom Brady and what they've done in New England. I love Nick Saban, what he's done in, in, in L- at LSU, what he did a couple years here in Miami, and obviously in Tuscaloosa, he's killing it. So people don't have to like him. That's fine. <laughs> All right, so I you, uh,
0: yeah, that's just how it goes. You, are you going to, Isaiah and Mason have a few more years, and then obviously Zoe is going to graduate and go to a, a fine university. When she when she's out of school, but when that's over, are you going to try and coach? Are you looking to coach the next level? Um, are you interested in that? We'll,
1: we'll see what happens. I mean, it's you know, TV work is much easier. It is. Uh, and it's uh, much easier. Especially if you have a studio job, you're inside in the AC. It's much nicer, yes. Not that I have those offers, but just letting them know that you know, Jason
0: Taylor is available to ho- work in your studio and talk me, about but,
1: football. Uh, no, I I I love coaching. I do love it. I, I love the everything about it. Not everything. I love most things about it um i've had a couple opportunities over the last few years to to move along to the next level you know, in college but my sons are in high school right now this is the fit for me and when, when they're done playing ball maybe i'll start coaching volleyball for zoe for a couple of years till she's done and then we'll see what happens I, you know i don't know if coach to still be in tuscaloosa or if kirby's gonna be in athens or if they're gonna yeah, would be, that, in that, league, that would be five
0: or, years from now college football could look a lot different
1: uh, it could be really different
0: it looks different now at Oregon, national champion oh
1: yeah um, LSU is a great place mm-hmm. I mean there's so many schools I can name that I would uh be, be more than happy to check out
0: um all right so the Super Bowl is this weekend you said you wanted to wait to give your pick I'm gonna pick the Chiefs the Chiefs are slight favorites uh one and a half point favorites I'm gonna pick the Chiefs and I'm pick them to cover who do you like in this game
1: I'm gonna pick the Chiefs as well. I'll pick them to cover uh late field goal. Helps them cover the point and a half. Uh I, I just think the I keep going back to special teams because everything else is just so even. I know they're loaded offensively with Kelsey and and, and all the, the weapons they have. Um, you know, Sammy Watkins playing, you know, taking a back seat a little bit now and, and being part of the system has really helped them as well. But I still think Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman will be the difference makers.
0: I think they're really, um, like you said, even evenly matched. I said that last week for a lot of, I mean, it's for a lot of reasons. Like one, obviously Andy Reid is a legendary coach, but it, you know Kyle Shanahan is coached in a Super Bowl before, so mm-hmm. it's not He's like been he there. doesn't know what's going on. Probably He's part, learned a lot from his last time. Yeah, exactly, because he was part of the worst meltdown in Super Bowl history, and you were there for uh, your Hall what, of Fame. What a, what a great guy. Yeah, it was By weird. the way,
1: at halftime everyone was going crazy around me and I told Isaiah Mason, This ain't over. <laughs> Tom Brady and Bill Bell, I've seen this movie so many times. It's like it's like watching The Godfather over or watching Scarface. We we're here in Miami where they filmed Scarface right here on the yeah, beach. Literally right like, there. It's like watching Scarface over and over and expecting a different result. Like, bro, I've seen this movie before and they were everyone was going the whole area we were in, every, you know, obviously everyone wants the Patriots to lose. And I was sitting there laughing like, I'm telling you, number twelve will be back here out here in 13 minutes, all hell's gonna break loose. Well, so
0: that's what I was thinking about the Patriots all year. Um, that I just was gonna wait to see what happens with the Patriots, because I've seen this movie a million times, mm-hmm. and obviously, they just didn't have the pieces this year. But there's a lot. So, before I let you go, I wanna ask you, because you know Tom Brady a little bit. I'm not saying like you guys are best friends or anything, you have any insights, but you do know him a little bit. Do you think he leaves? And if you were him, would he should he leave?
1: Um, do I think he leaves? Wow. Yeah, I actually do. I actually do. Should, should he? If I gave him advice, I, what am I going to tell Tom? You know, he's... Uh, you tell him
0: whatever you want. I give people advice all the time they don't listen to.
1: Do you. Do you. Whatever. whatever. Yeah, nobody listens to your advice. <laughs> um, do you. Whatever you want to do. Listen, you've, you've rewritten the, 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 the record books. You're the greatest to ever do it. You deserve this shot to do whatever you want to do. If it works for you again and fits for you in New England... You know if they're going to give you what you need um and not put so much on his shoulders to, to carry it um great you know if you want to go somewhere else great you want to retire and
0: well he's not he's already said he's not retiring
1: things change but he okay. you know, bought a house in greenwich have a have an apartment in new york you can do whatever you want listen do do whatever you want because when it's over you can't ever go back i mean at this at our age you can't go back and and pick it back up so Get every bit you can out of this thing. He finally has a chance to be a free agent. Uh, I know it'll sound crazy. It'll sound weird for Tom Brady in a different uniform. But I mean, for I some reason, he, I just I don't go feel like Chargers.
0: he'll be back. I think he's going to go to the Chargers. But what happened um, to
1: Philip Rivers then? He's
0: gone. He's out. Jake Laser reported that
1: yesterday. Well, you're just so calloused and just I love Philip Rivers. Like
0: um, I think he's great. I love uh, that he talks shit all the time. It's funny to me. Was there a quarterback that ever talked shit to you? I know the answer to this question.
1: Philip Rivers did. Brett um, never talked to you. Brett talked a little bit, but Brett was different though. He like the way he talked was just different. Philip Rivers like acts like he's a defensive dude, like trying to cuss you out. And hey, like, what do you do? Do you just laugh at them? At first you're like, the hell. Then, yeah, you end up getting back into it. Then you get in the huddle. You're like, man, I'm arguing with a quarterback. <laughs> like, but they also know like they're talking trash. But that internal clock goes from 2.6 seconds to now maybe 2.1. I need to get rid of this football because eventually. We're gonna get back there, and some guys will take a penalty.
0: What? Uh, so Brett Favre, Philip Rivers. Was there anyone else
1: that would talk? That talked. Um, not that I. Feel
0: I like Dan was probably. I mean, you didn't play against Dan, obviously, but I could imagine Dan, Dan Marino, being a talker.
1: Dan Dan talked because he had that. Dan had that swag, and he yeah. had that. He had that cannon, so he he would talk a little bit. Philip. I mean, some of these quarter, some guys talk like. They want to be aggressive and like, oh, screw you, you're this, you're that. Like, I'm not sure Dan would, would, you know, berate somebody up and down where he would just tell him what he's doing to him and you can't stop. Like, Dan would more tell him how bad of a man he is. And <laughs> yeah, he is. He was. Did
0: you – what was your uh... – I mean, you've told me this before, but I feel like it's, it changes. It depends on the game. What was your style of, like, uh, manipulation, I guess? Like, would you talk
1: or – I talked my first – Three years, because I had no idea what I was doing. Oh! So I was trying to talk myself into. But did offensive confidence. linemen know that? Um. No. Some didn't care. Some ignored it. Some got flustered by it. Some got pissed off. And why'd you stop? Because Tony Baselli beat the hell out of me on Monday Night Football, up and down the field for 60 minutes, and and <laughs> made me shut up. <laughs> That's a true story. So
0: after that, like in your career, you were like, I'm good? Bro,
1: if Tony Baselli walks out that door right now, I promise you I'll run around that corner. I'm still scared of him. What about Ogden? Ogden, you can't talk to Ogden. Like, he'll laugh at you. You talk trash to Ogden because he, he's just so big and so good. But it's you have so to line long. up against him a lot? I played against him a handful of times, uh, three, four, five, maybe What's five that times. like?
0: He's the biggest person on earth.
1: That dude can literally hold a cup of hot coffee in his hand, in one hand, block you with the other one. And wouldn't spill coffee. I'm telling you, he was that he was that good. He was unbelievable.
0: He's the biggest human person I've ever seen in life. I remember and he's seeing a big teddy bear. he's super
1: He's like a big kid. We were playing him down here one year, um, and I ended up getting a sack in the game on him. I say on him because I was lined up on his side. I think someone messed the protection up and tripped him or whatever, but it doesn't matter. I got a sack on his side. <laughs> but there was one point, like, I think it was a pass where I'm – I tried to t- turn a speed rush into a little long arm doing a power rush, and he's just too big. You know, I'm 240 pounds. He's 350 pounds. He just kind of sat down real quick, stopped the bull rush, grabbed me with two hands on my chest plate, and was just holding me there. So, you know, I feel like I'm a pretty dang good player. And I'm, okay, whatever. He stopped my rush. I tried to shove off and run to the ball, and he's just holding on to me. And I'm, like, get, trying to get him off me, and he wouldn't let go. And, like, at this point, my just, just my – my toes, the tips of my toes are on the ground. Like He's picking me up. Uh, you're starting to embarrass me now. This is getting a little emasculating. So I'm like, I'm quit playing. So I'm like getting pissed off and I'm pushing him back. And I'm like I took a swipe at his chin. <coughs> Excuse me. He hit him in his face mask. And he was like, come on now, JT. And I'm like, you know, get the hell off me. We're yelling back and forth. And he's, we're not yelling back and forth. I'm yelling. And he's literally just sitting there holding me and he's laughing. I swear to God, he's laughing at me. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> And then he like took me and like he didn't shove me to the ground. He just like released me. So the ball's still going <clears throat> in the middle of the play. The ball's still going, and I'm like, "Quit playing!" But you play too much and that turned around to the ball. And he just he was that kind of guy. He would just waddle back to the huddle, and he was just he was a bad man. I mean, he is a bad him, man. Walter Jones, Orlando Pace, Tony mm-hmm. Baselli, forget about it.
0: Yeah. Well. Like I said, you had a Hall of Fame career, so you did something right against all of them. But
1: yeah, I, he was in the other division. Thank God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. I could talk to you for the next three hours, obviously, and then we'd have to get some tequila to keep going. But I um, appreciate you coming on. Uh, love you very much. <coughs> very proud See of me. you. Thank you. Um, thanks for coming down. Now that I've got you right in the middle of rush hour traffic, I
1: know I gotta get can, out of here.
0: Uh, head back up to head back up north, but um, hopefully, we can have you on again. Maybe if you're out in LA, and uh, appreciate it. Love you, bro.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I love you too. And next time we do this, we'll do it on your coast, out in the West Coast, and uh, enjoy Miami. If you need anything while you're down here, um, don't call you. Don't call me. <laughs> Go get some single order. My MJ's is tequila. Single order. It's not on him, but he made it, and you can have your yeah, shot.
0: Good, good, good plug for Michael. Thank you, guys. That was uh, free pub too. Thanks for watching. Yeah. Send well, me, now he has check. us some shots, and you can send us some send extra tequila. Check. Also, uh, make sure you follow us on all our social media pages at maybe I'm crazy pod. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, you can listen on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartMedia app. You can follow Jason, Jason Taylor 99 on Instagram and Jason Taylor on Twitter. You can call follow I his hate. fiance, she's a she's a blogger also, Monica Velasco. Soon to be Monica Taylor. I First didn't even of, know my
1: handles. That's pretty impressive you knew that. Well,
0: listen, I, uh, you know, I am a professional. Um, anyway, thanks but for But I knew it was us, called guys. a handle,
1: though. My daughter, Monica, taught me that. It's called a handle. Yeah, it ain't my, it's Zo- not my address. Shout out
0: to Zoe, too. She's a big TikToker. She taught me how to do TikTok the other day. Um, appreciate it, guys. Enjoy the Super Bowl.
1: Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm not. Ooh!